Where is InsureTech headed next? This is where indie agents own the answer. Welcome to the Vertifor Insurance Podcast. Let's go. Welcome back to the Vertifor Insurance Podcast, everybody. Really pumped to have you guys on for this week's episode. We have a very special guest uh, in the studio, aka via Zoom, this week. Um, he's actually someone that I had the pleasure of working for for a number of years and now get to um, spend some time digging into the entirety of his career, which it's going to be a lot to fit into this, this little chunk here. Um, but we're going to do our best, and it feels a little bit full circle. So um, this guy is, uh, is somebody who has been a leader in the insurance industry. Um, he has done... I'm going to tell you a little bit about him after he introduces himself, and honestly, the words don't do themselves justice. Uh, I think there's been a lot of, of wins and moments that you, you really can't fit onto a piece of paper, um, and I'm, I'm very excited to have him on and for him to share what, he, uh, what, what he's accomplished and what he's brought to the industry over the past, gosh, four decades is crazy. Um, so, Bob Rustbolt, how are you? Sid, we miss you at the big eye, but you stayed in the family, so that's the good news. But uh, thank you for having me, and uh, you must have been talking about somebody else in that intro, because I couldn't have done all that over four decades. That's, that's what I'm saying. You're an impressive guy, um, and I'm, I'm honored to have you on. Um, so let me, I, I'd love to introduce you to those, and I know many, many know you, but uh, as we talked about before, people have short memories or else we wouldn't have second kids. So let's, let's take a look back for a sec at, uh, at what you've accomplished. Um, Bob is the CEO of the Independent Insurance Agents and Brokers of America. He has actually been a part of the organization for 37 years and led the team for 23 uh, in total. He actually joined in 1986 and led the Government Affairs Department and then ultimately was named CEO in 2001. He has overseen many major Big Eye initiatives, including the inception of Big Eye Markets, which is a market access program for agent members, the formation of BRIC, a reinsurance company, and InsureBank, that's a bank catering to independent insurance agency needs, the implementation of a marketing brand for members, Trusted Choice, that, that brings back some memories, Whew. and the consumer-facing agent locator and company, TrustedChoice.com, also really good memories. Uh, the creation, he held the, uh, led the creation of Big Eye Hires, a national hiring resource for the independent agency channel, and the establishment of the Trusted Choice Disaster Relief Fund and COVID-19 Relief Fund for member agencies in need. He was named a, quote, top 25 living legend in insurance by Property Casualty 360, and earlier this year he was actually recognized, I guess this is 2022, Whew, I can't believe it's 2023 already, he was recognized last year by Insurance Business Magazine among the world's top insurance leaders on its global 100 list. That's, uh, that, is, that is an impressive list, sir. That is an impressive list. Um, I, I do want to share my two memories of, uh, of, of you, and that's uh, one was actually working with Sue Nestor. This was when I was. I was 23 years old, didn't know really even how to spell insurance at this point, 
And I remember walking into your office uh, when you and Chip were filming the very first trustedchoice.com video announcing the, the program and the project. And uh, I remember walking into your office thinking, whoa, I'm in the office of the CEO, I've made it. <laughs> um, that was probably my first memory. And the second one that really stood out to me was when Trusted Choice sponsored the Lacrosse World Championship. Uh, and for those of you guys who don't know, man, that was a that was a that was an incredible opportunity because um, I believe that their sponsor had actually dropped out at the last minute um, due to unforeseen reasons and circumstances, and we had had enough connections that we were able to, um, you know get a shoe in and were exposed to, were able to expose the Trusted Choice brand to people from all over the country and all over the world. And it was the perfect demographic as well with, um, you know, that lacrosse, with the lacrosse sport. So it was really cool to be there. But I remember being in the hotel and we were about to go to dinner um, and it was just you and I, I walked up and, and you were sitting there going through email, and you took the time to ask how I was, ask about the, um, you know, the marketing uh, initiatives that we had at, at play at the championships. And then we started talking about martinis, and I found out that your favorite martini has, uh, uh, is a dirty martini with extra olive juice. And I was like, okay, he gets a check in my, in my book. So, I, uh, I've really, I've enjoyed, I remember in, very much enjoying the time spent with you. Um, and it's just, it's really nice to have you on the podcast today. Uh, your memory is awesome, um, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but yeah, how cool was that uh, World Lacrosse Championship in Denver that we were the lead sponsor of? That was one of the cooler things we've done and you were a major part of that. Um, behind the scenes was invaluable and uh, you were getting me from one tv interview to a studio to on the field and it was uh, it was a really neat experience for for trusted choice and for independent agents so literally in the united states and for brokers around the world because it really was worldwide but um yeah four decades is a long time sid um and uh there's a lot that we could talk about there's a lot i'd like to forget actually as well um but uh yeah starting in 1986 and and right up to today um a lot has transpired not just in in the independent agency universe but in our country and in the world when i started the internet didn't exist mm -hmm. at the big eye mm -hmm. uh, until al gore invented it and uh then we were all set to go but um you know, using fax machines and uh, Wang data processors and all of that was what was in vogue when I started at the Big Eye. And look at where we are today with the insure tech explosion and technology, you know, oozing all around us. Uh, it's two radically different universes. Uh, but the great thing about the independent agency system in the Big Eye is we adapt and we evolve. Uh, and that's why independent agents are where they are today. Um, from the first independent agent in the uh, 1700s in South Carolina to where we are today with 40,000 agencies in the United States. So um, I'm proud to have been a part of the independent agency system and, and the big eye. Uh, it's been an honor to uh, lead this association and work with great people like you. 
I appreciate that. Uh, we'll definitely try to carry the torch as best we can. But I want to take a look back for a sec. And before we dig into, I'm going to start actually in 1986, before the internet was born. Before I was born, actually. <laughs> okay, um, now, you're, now you're rubbing it in. <laughs> um, so, you know, the association, my dad's an insurance agent. And the association was always a very meaningful part of his career. It represented this ability for small business owners to feel like they were as powerful as a unified collective, but still give them the opportunity to be independent and, and sort of make their own choices and, and be their own um, leaders in the way that they wanted, you know, as opposed to having to be a part of one company, right, to have that unified collective. And it, it really is the glue that sort of holds the industry together in a way that, that really represents that, uh, that power and leverage. But looking back at, at 1986, I'm curious when you stepped into this organization that, is, that, has, that plays such a meaningful part in the insurance industry, what were some of the things that were happening, going on, any challenges that you were facing when you were leading that, that government team? Um, you know, I know today technology is a huge challenge, but it hasn't always been technology. Right? It, it, really, it really hasn't. Um, and I did actually Google things that were happening in 1986, just so we could give people a sense of, you know, what else was going on in the world. Um, in 1986, the Soviet nuclear reactor at Chernobyl actually exploded on, on April 26th. That was a, a huge moment for society. There was a lot that humanity was dealing with. Um, the Oprah Winfrey show debuted nationally. Uh, the, space, the space shuttle Challenger uh, disintegrated. That was a massive blow, I think, as well to, to our race against Russia. And, uh, and, and we had mad cow disease as well. So that I think it, 1986 was a tough year. <laughs> it was a tough year for a lot of reasons. What was happening in the insurance space? It's interesting. I had left the American Insurance Association, so I worked on the company side before I came to the agent broker side. Okay. And uh, AIA, of course, now is merged with APCIA, the new entity on the company side. But the number one issue for agents and brokers at that time was the literal war we were in with the banking industry. Mm. The banking industry wanted to be in the uh, agent distribution space. Uh, they were buying, trying to buy agencies. They were looking for legal loopholes and legislative loopholes to try to really get into our space. We were in a major war with them. We ultimately uh, carved out a deal with them, a compromise on Capitol Hill in the early 1990s in the Graham-Leach-Bliley law, which is still the law today. Uh, we were locked in a room. I was literally locked in a room with banking executives to uh, cut a deal. Uh, Congressman Mike Oxley was the leader of that with Chairman Bliley. And lo and behold, we, we cut a deal and the 100 years war was over with the banking industry. That was one of the top legislative issues at that time um, in the late 1980s, uh, early 1990s. So there are other things that were big at that time. The whole Superfund issue, all of the toxic waste uh, areas around the country, 
uh, and the whole liability issue for the insurance industry on that was a big issue uh, that we were dealing with at the time. Um, and then we had the uh, availability affordability crisis of the late 80s, early 90s, where um, the you know litigation was out of control and people were ripping uh, diving boards out of their backyard swimming pools because insurance companies wouldn't write uh, any homeowners insurance. Anything that had any kind of risk to it um, was not being written, and uh, we had a availability affordability crisis led to some risk retention legislation that still is in existence today. So there were a lot of uh, insurance specific challenges in the late 80s, early 90s that we, we dealt with. Um, but it wasn't all gloom and doom, right? The Big Eye was a, a PGA tour sponsor of the independent insurance agent Houston Open. Uh, for five years in, in Houston, Texas. And that was a fun thing to do. It was a big deal. Uh, I went every year, played in the Pro-Am. Um, ABC TV was was uh, the network that covered our tournament. It then became the Shell Houston Open. Uh, and today it has a different sponsor. So um, there were some exciting things going on. Um, back then as you said challenges chernobyl if anybody hasn't watched the hbo series on chernobyl uh watch it it's uh it's mind-boggling uh what happened back in that era um so yeah it's a it was a big move moving from the company side to the agent broker side but it was the best move i ever made um and i still get to work with all my friends on the carrier side um and uh, the agent broker side is super exciting and uh, I'm glad I did it. So when, when I think about your journey, uh, obviously you didn't start at the big eye and finish at the big eye. You had a history of, uh, you know, your career had a history before the big eye. Why, as you were working, you know, your way up and, and you know, what was that moment you decided to make a commitment to the big eye and say, this is, this is the organization that I want to, to really invest in. What was going through your head in those years? Yeah, it, well, lobbying for the big eye in government affairs was incredible because of the resources and the tools and the assets that we had. Mm -hmm. We had one of the largest PACs uh, for the small business community in Washington, DC, um, one of the largest PACs in the insurance industry that gives you uh, access uh, on Capitol Hill. We have a grassroots network, which made us very powerful with, with members of Congress. Um, and, you know, we had a great coalition with our company partners and others. And uh, if, if government affairs was your thing, your shtick, it was one of the best places to be in Washington, D.C. So I've always had a, uh, a political Jones, uh, political science major, in uh, undergraduate school, history major, and then a master's degree in political science. So it's always what I think I was born to do, although I did want to be a fighter pilot or an NBA player for a <laughs> while, but uh, quickly those uh, fell by the wayside. Um, but it was a great place to be if that's what you wanted to do in the government affairs realm. Mm -hmm. um, my son now works for the National Association of Realtors, doing the same thing, following the old man's footsteps. Uh, and he is in a great place, just as I was with the big eye. So 
Uh, there's good places to lobby and some places that don't have the same resources, assets, and advantages that an entity like the Big Eye has. Hmm. I, I can hear in your answer that you saw a lot of opportunity at the Big Eye, but I do think there's something about, uh, and I just want to call it out because I, you know, this is that moment where I get to, to, you know, talk about you as a person, not just what you've done, but th there's it takes a special person to not only see the opportunity, but, a, but to want to walk through that door too, right? I mean, you knew that there would be wins, but you have to be able to accept the challenges and the risks that are going to come with that, that commitment. And, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's a, that's a noble thing to do in that moment. I think there's a lot of people that shy away from that commitment or that decision because it feels too much. It, it's overwhelming. Um, I mean, when you look back, did you feel any of those things or was it just it sort of, it, it couldn't have been all rainbows. Like I just, I can't believe it's all rainbows and blue skies, right? I mean, you must have said to yourself, like, I'm, I'm willing to accept both sides of this. I'm willing to dig well, in. No doubt about it, it's not all rainbows. Um, no job, no career path is all rainbows. If, mm. if there is one, I'd like to see it. Um, you know, whether you're going to be a professional athlete or what you're doing, there's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of challenges. There's injuries along the way. It's the same thing in the business world, right? I mean, you're going to pull a ligament here or there and uh, have some challenges and you have to rehab and get back on the field and, and uh, go full speed ahead. So uh, I'm no different than anybody else. Your career path, you've uh, gone in a couple different directions and ended up with a, an incredible big eye partner at vertifor i'm very proud of what you've done as well sometimes i feel a little bit like johnny appleseed i produced uh <laughs> literally hundreds if not thousands of people that have left the big eye at various points in time from the peter van artrix uh, that formed his own company to phil anderson in the government affairs who worked for vice president dan quayle and has a wildly successful firm in Washington, D.C., to Tim McCone, who's head of government affairs for AT&T Corporation. And the list is, is just goes on and on and on. So uh, I'm very, um, I take a lot of satisfaction in watching people's careers progress that started at the Big Eye. Um, and you're just uh, one example of that. But having said all of that, um, yes, there were challenges along the way. Uh, I got a phone call one night and was made CEO. Uh, I had no uh, advance warning that that was really going to take place. And it was uh, literally just a couple of months before 9-11 hit in 2001. Mm -hmm. And I made CEO and a couple months later, uh, our country is under attack and I'm in the Oval Office with the President of the United States oh uh, talking about uh, insurance issues and whether the industry was going to invoke a war exclusion for the, the World Trade Center and, and all of the damage that had been wreaked by the terrorists. So, um, yeah, you talk about baptism by fire or, you know, put a fire hose to the mouth. That was it when I was made CEO. It was a very, very um, challenging but also exciting time. Um, and uh, I wouldn't have changed a thing uh, looking back on it. How did you, in those moments, keep that, that optimism and that idealism, right? I, I mean, I think that's what makes a, a true leader is in the darkest moments when nobody else can see the light at the end of the tunnel, 
no one else can see. All, everyone just sees, oh my gosh, carriers are going to go out of business. Who's going to you know, pay for the damage? How are we going to help all these people? And it just feels overwhelming, right? It feels like too big of a challenge to, um, to wrap your hands around. How did you as a leader move through those moments and, and get to the other side and get the organization to the other side? Well, nobody wants to follow a pessimist. <laughs> if it's all gloom and, hey, follow me, it's all gloom and doom. <laughs> uh, no, you have to be an optimist. All good leaders have to be an optimist, but you have to be a realist as well. Mm. Um, you know, employees know when a leader is snowing them, and you can't do that. But you also have to show them there is light at the end of the tunnel, no matter what the challenge is for a company or an association. Uh, they want to see a path to success. And that's what I always try to do is, is show uh, our members all over the United States and internationally uh, and the employees of the big eye, our carrier partners, you have to show them a path to success. Uh, how can we generate more business for independent agents and our carrier partners? Um, how can we uh, utilize technology in ways that will make agencies more efficient and effective? Um, how can we recruit more talent to the industry? Here's a path to do it with big eye hires. Here's how to help on technology with the Agents Council for Technology. You have to show answers and optimism, um, and you have to be realistic in both of those. So um, I think it's a waste of energy to be a pessimist. Um, we all know pessimists in our lives, and uh, frankly, I think most of the time they're a little lonely. Yeah. because nobody wants to be around a pessimist yeah that's the truth i going back to your johnny appleseed um analogy which i think is fitting i remember when working at the big eye you know you were pioneering some things that especially with trusted choice and in trustedchoice.com i don't think you were ever scared to say you know what let's try this let's absolutely we're going to be a realist about it and we're going to think through it and be intentional but that's but the the risk isn't going to hold us back from trying it. We have to do something, and and I'm not going to you know sit in a closet and say, well, we'll just keep doing things the way that we've been doing them. Um, I think you really pioneered even with supporting TrustedChoice.com and how everything was um, you know created and put together. There was a lot of thought and intention behind behind those movements that I don't think people really appreciate. Yeah, those are two examples. The big eye is a very complex entity. I, we're sort of like the AARP of the insurance industry. Um, we don't, it's not just dues in and dues out. We own a bank with, uh, with Bill Berkeley. We own a reinsurance company. Uh, we own a technology company with some company partners, trustedchoice.com. Um, we, we manufacture products. We were the first and only association that was a bank holding company regulated by the Federal Reserve Board. Never happened before, and there's never been one since then. That is radical, having an association regulated by the Federal Reserve Board and us starting and owning a bank. Um, so we have taken chances um, all in the to benefit our members, and we are not looking at uh, the status quo. We know we have to evolve. We know we have to be there for our members. We have to do things for our members that they can't do for themselves. Mm -hmm. That's what associations are all about. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we formed a bank, people thought we were crazy. 
Um, and the bank is profitable today, is providing financing for big eye members and independent agents and brokers around the United States, a very successful uh, bank. And with, you mentioned Trusted Choice and TrustedChoice.com. You know, one of the things we talked about years ago in our board and executive committee was, you know, State Farm has a brand, and but they're not independent. They don't uh, offer customization. They don't offer choice. They don't offer all the things and advantages that independent agents and brokers do. But they had one thing that we didn't have, a big brand, period. We're better than them, but consumers don't know it. Mm -hmm. And that was the genesis of launch and trusted choice saying, we need a co-brand, a national co-brand, not a brand, a co-brand to supplement and augment the local agency's brand. So the Bob Rustbold agency at the local level, we wanted the good housekeeping seal of approval, the Intel inside. I don't know what Intel inside means, but I know it's good and I want it. Um, trusted choice and brands are to create that instantaneous nanosecond impression in the mind of a consumer that is the good housekeeping seal of approval. And that's what we've tried to do with a co-brand of trusted choice. You don't have to know what it all means, but you just have to know it's good. Mm -hmm. And so working with our company, Trusted Choice Partners, we took a chance on creating this co-brand. It eventually led to the formation, as you know, uh, your former employer, TrustedChoice.com, um, which is going gangbusters. It's profitable. Uh, we're generating tons of business. We've had over 8 million consumers go to TrustedChoice.com to find a Trusted Choice independent insurance agent. Um, it's growing by leaps and bounds, the SEO work they're doing. Um, and I could go on and on about both trusted choice and trustedchoice.com. But, uh, it, at the time, everybody thinks you might be a little crazy, right? Sid, I mean, they're going, well, I don't, why do I need a co-brand? Mm -hmm. I'm the Sydney Rowe agency. Everybody mm -hmm. knows me in my local town. Well, mm -hmm. don't you want to write more business in your town and outside your town? So. Uh, looking back on it, um, it was the right thing to do, and um, our members are better for it. And I think, too, there, there's always conversation that, that's ha that happens, and, and it's healthy to have sit. people say, well, why, or I disagree, or whatever the conversation might be. But for a minute, I would ask anybody to imagine a world without the big eye. Whatever you think about different moves or, or different you know, projects or, or, or your opinion, imagine a world without the big eye. That's a scary place to me because I go I back, I, go ba I, I, I do, I go back to you know, the meaningfulness that, that my, my family's agency, um, you know, the, the meaningfulness of the organization to my family's agency, and it really was a beacon of of hope, right? Hey, here's a place where we can all come together and maybe there are decisions made. We live in a democracy where decisions are made that we don't agree with every day. But I would much rather live in this world than any other world. So I, I always come back to that at the end of the day. And, you know, I think it cherry on top is we've seen the, the success of a lot of the projects over the long term, um, you know, come to fruition, which is really cool to see. Well, Sydney, I'm going to make what may seem to the uninformed a profound declaration, but it is not hyperbole. Without the big eye, there would be no such thing as independent agents and brokers today. Mm -hmm. There'd be, it wouldn't exist. Mm -hmm. There'd only be captive agents. 
Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Because we won super important litigation in the mm-hmm. early 1900s called the, it's uh, called the Yonkers case, which established legally mm-hmm. uh, and in subsequent work we did with carriers, the independent agency system as we know it today. If the big eye had not stepped in, raised money and litigated that case, every agent today in the United States would be captive working for one insurance company. There'd be no such thing as the independent agency system. What makes us unique in the world is that we own our book of business. We own our expirations. We own the information. And if you look at all the other countries around the world, they're brokers. They represent more than one market, but they don't own their book of business. The carriers, whoever they write it for, owns the expirations, owns the book of business. There's no such thing as a book roll in Japan. Um, so we are very unique in the world, and it's because of the big eye. Yep. So if, for, if, if, if your listeners don't know one other thing, there'd be no independent agency system as we know it today without the big eye, and that's not an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. Um. That's very well said. I, I don't think I could top that. So um, let me um, let me ask this: As you look back over the last thirty-seven years, you know we talked a little bit about when you first joined the organization, when you became the CEO, and and really took ownership over the vision and the future of the organization. What were some of the biggest challenges that you remember? looking back over, over the past 37 years. I mean, the, the fact that the ban- we were at war with the banking industry, as you were saying that, I just thought, gosh, the independent insurance agent has a, we have tough skin, man. We have tough skin to be able to get through the roadblocks that just keep arising. And you know, I know we've got technology today, but were, was there anything else in that span that you remember and, and can reflect on to say, we, we faced that and we got through it and we got to the other side of it and here's how we did it? Yeah, it, when I became CEO in 2001, um, as I said, it was right um, right before 9-11 hit. And I was driving to the office and saw, listening to the radio and sawing smoke coming from the Pentagon. And I was trying to get to our Capitol Hill office. I had to divert to our Alexandria uh, National Headquarters office. And of course, the rest is, is history, so to speak. But um, I had to make some quick decisions, both for the association, um, made a lot of phone calls to company carrier partners and other associations. And of course, it ended up with a meeting in the White House with President Bush. So that was something we were dealing with right out of the box. Uh, If anybody listening remembers traveling right after 9-11 in 2001, what a disaster. Nobody knew what was going on. Of course, it led to TSA many years later. Um, but travel changed overnight and I have to travel every week. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there are a lot of changes that were taking place in the country and in the world, let alone in the independent agent space. Um, so, you know, uh, regarding the independent agency system in the two thousands, um, we went through a lot of evolution, obviously the word automation, (laughs) is an old term now. Uh, you got to be automated. You've got to have a vertifor, you know, you've got to have an agency management system, blah, blah, blah. Well, nobody talks like that anymore, obviously. Um, they're talking about a whole host of other things that you need in the agency. Um, and so really, 
if you look at the advent of technology in the 2000 timeframe um, and the creation of the Agents Council of Technology with Jeff Yates, which uh, I created with Jeff uh, in 2001. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really the genesis of us really putting a spotlight and resources on the technology needs of independent agencies. And, um, you know, we were looking at, you know, how to do uh, real-time download and, and uh, you know, the whole SEMSI issue was, was now taking on a new meaning in the industry. Um, so technology was really something right out of the box when I was CEO that we concentrated heavily on. And I was fortunate that Jeff Yates, my predecessor, said yes, that he would do it and come out of retirement and uh, lead the Agents Council for Technology. And, uh, you know, then we had Ron Berg. And of course, now we have Chris Klein doing that, uh, which we hired from Westfield. So uh, I could spend uh, hours talking about technology uh, evolution and the things that we've done for independent agents, but you don't have enough time. That's that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. And I, I guess, too, I look at you know, the companies that have come, uh, that have either become technology companies or have started as technology companies. I think of like, you know, State Farm or Progressive um, Nationwide or even uh, Lemonade, which is an insurance technology company right out of the gate. All of them sell through independent insurance agents. All of them, even the ones that said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll play it safe and, you know, not go through an agent. We, we, we think we're we think we're, uh, you know, tough cookie, and we can handle uh, distribution and acquisition ourselves. End up coming back around and saying, "Well, maybe we were wrong about that." Um, and hopefully, by the time this podcast is published, you're going to actually hear another announcement of another carrier that is going to be going, um, is going to be selling through agents as well. So, I, it's, you know, I guess I look back and I think when I first started, when I was working with for you, and this was when I was 23 years old. All I heard was the doom and gloom messaging. This is gonna kill the agent. I didn't have any perspective on the history of what the association had been through, what the industry had been through. And in that moment in time, I had a very fear-based reaction to, wow, what if we do lose? And it just sent me on this mission to like say, you know, shout it from the mountaintops, like you guys gotta you know, step up your game and modernize. And while I think that's true, I also think there are there is a there's something foundational uh, there's something uh, deep about what about who who an independent insurance agent is and how they interact in society and you know when properly powered I I believe uh, can resist a lot of challenge and I think we've seen that I mean that's why one of the reasons I was so excited to talk to you today is because you've seen the industry goes to go through all those things and that in and of itself uh, you know I think when you get into that situation again it's, oh, okay here it's technology right as a, as a 23 year old I didn't have that perspective you know you could step into that world and say hey we've been through this before we're gonna make it out the other side right so. Uh, you're absolutely right. And, you know, we hear all the doom and gloom from the conning and companies throughout history, uh, all of these entities coming out and saying the independent agent is going the way of the buggy whip manufacturer, the milk man, the candlestick maker, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. Wrong, wrong, wrong. They've been wrong for 40 years. They're still wrong. 
I gave a speech to the Allstate executives at the McDonald's Center in Chicago uh, 25 years ago. I don't remember the exact date. Uh, Ed Liddy was the CEO of Allstate, and he invited me to address their leaders on insurance distribution and the future of insurance distribution. I told Allstate at that time that the captive agent was doomed. There were only going to be two channels that would survive. It would be independent agents and direct. Mm -hmm. That the captive agent model could not survive going forward. And after the speech, Ed came up and said, that was interesting, Bob, because you do know where you are, right? I said, yeah, that's why I gave the speech here. And, of course, we've seen Nationwide. We've seen Liberty. We've seen company after company jettison the captive system and adopt the independent agent model. So... That trend is going to continue. The, uh, the last man standing really is State Farm, mm -hmm. uh, where they're totally uh, exclusive captive agents. And uh, I think it's just a matter of time before they see the light and join our side. Yeah. I, I Hey, I'm with you on that. I'll take that bet. So let me ask the big question. After all this time, I mean, how, how can you retire? <laughs> Where, where are you going? Why, why, why now? I guess I'm curious. 37 years is a long time, any place. Yeah. Uh, I have a grandkid now, um, yeah. and that's, that's a, a life changer. Um, but it's, it's time to do other things. I am going to continue consulting. I've already signed a contract with the big eye, so I'll continue consulting for the big eye. I'll continue as chairman of the board of trustedchoice.com. Um, I serve on some other boards. I serve on the Accord board. I serve on the Insure Bank uh, board. I'll continue on that. There's a couple other boards I'll be on. I'll be consulting for a couple other entities. I'm still going to be heavily involved in the industry. Uh, you can't get rid of me that quickly, Sid. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's time for somebody else to lead, and Charles Symington's going to do a great job. He's worked for me for about 18 years now. He knows the association, he knows our members, uh, and he'll be a, a great leader for the association with a great background. So Wonderful. Well, it's, um, it's hard to see you go. I, I think, you know, that there's a lot that you've invested into the industry, and I think a lot of people feel, I, you know, you've been that guy that, that hey, it's it's the big guy and, and Bob and he's leading the team and, and Charles and and I know everybody else is there but um, I think when you have a core team member when you've got the leader the CEO stepping away it's it's a transition it, it's it's a change it's a yep. shift um, that the industry has to go through so I guess I'm glad to hear that you're not you know pulling cold going cold turkey on us and uh, you know going to uh, some remote cabin in the mountains where we'll never see or hear from you again. It's nice to know that we'll still have your voice and you'll still be involved. Um, no, I, I, I won't turn into a mountain man, I promise. Um, <laughs> Come back with a beard. With a beard and, uh, you know, look like the Unabomber or something. But, uh, no, I, uh, I will still be involved with the big eye. I'll still be involved in the industry. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to being engaged in a slightly different way, um, but still in a meaningful way uh, for our, our carrier partners and for the independent agency system. So um, it's gonna be an exciting new uh, venture for me and, and uh, everybody will know where I am if they need me. Yeah, well, and I, it'll be interesting too. I'll, um, 
I'm curious about the, it'll be different for you, but I think maybe, maybe that difference will be even better in terms of, you know, how you'll be able to use your voice in some of those conversations and influence certain things. Um, You know, I'm sure that being the CEO of the big guy comes with a lot of, of strength and a lot of, um, you know, benefits, but at the same time, there's, there are probably limiting factors as well that, you know, you have to navigate and, and not to say that you shouldn't navigate those things, you know, outside of the organization, but, um, maybe that opens up some doors for you too, to, to, to be a, a, to have that different voice in some of those conversations, which is exciting too. Um, you know, to, for you to go through that transition, I'm, I'll be curious to see how things go. And honestly, we'd love to have you back on the podcast to hear how, uh, you know, the impact that you're continuing to make. Oh, I, I would love that. And uh, you're right. I mean, in any leadership position, it doesn't matter whether you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company or running a trade association, uh, there are constraints on freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's mm-hmm. the nature of the beast in any leadership position, whether you're an NFL coach or whatever. I mean, there are constraints. Once you're not in those positions, you have a little more freedom. Yep. Yep, exactly, exactly. Well, let me quick ask, and if you don't want to speak to this, that's absolutely okay, because I would love to have Charles on uh, as well at some point. But have you all talked about his vision for the big guy and some of the things that he really wants to focus on as as he takes over this position and and really steps into leading the vision of of the big guy? Yeah, I definitely don't want to speak for Charles. I mean, that's a good question to ask him. But the short answer is yes, we have talked a lot about it. Uh, This transition, Charles and I and my executive committee have been talking about this for a couple of years now. Um, Charles is ready to take the reins on September 1 uh, of this year. And uh, the reason I'm staying on as a consultant is to help Charles and the Big Eye leadership team uh, as he goes forward and and, uh, in ways that I can help. And... um, but uh, I think you should have Charles on after he's CEO and talk to him about his vision for the big eye and the next 10 or 15 years. And, and uh, I'd like to listen to that one. I'll, I'll clip that 10 seconds out and just send him that in an email. So <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. I'll look forward to having him on. Um, I'm really excited to hear where things are headed. So Bob, thank yep. you so much. I, I really can't tell you how much I appreciate um, you carving out the time. I know you're traveling this week. Um, and you were on meetings all morning. So I, I'm sure there's a lot on your plate as you close things up and, and transition. So thank you for taking the time. Um, and we really appreciate you know, your service to the industry, everything you've done. Um, and, and honestly, I'm excited to see where things go for you. Oh, thank you for having me, Sid. You're one of my uh, favorites and a star and Vertifor is fortunate to have you. Appreciate that. Take care. All right. If you haven't yet been to Austin, Texas between May 7th to the 10th, consider this your official invitation. Accelerate is the largest gathering of Vertifor users from around the country. And no matter if you're looking to be challenged by hearing the stories of successful owners who did things a bit differently, see cutting edge solutions thanks to the implosion of the InsureTech ecosystem, or learn how you can maximize your current Vertifor tech stack. Accelerate has it all. So go to accelerate.netview.org, put it in your phone, put it in your computer, wherever you are, Accelerate 
library.netview.org, grab your ticket, and join us in the live music capital.